Well, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open up to Luke chapter 15 this morning. We're going to continue our journey through the Gospel of Luke today. I want to ask a question before we begin. Have you ever lost something of great value and undertaken a frantic search to find it? You know what I'm saying? Like maybe your car keys or a special gift somebody gave you. Uh, I I think many of us have been in that experience where we're just desperately searching for something that we've lost. I remember uh, years ago, my brother and I, we used to be youth pastors together at my former church, uh, Grace Point Church in New Brighton. And uh, one Saturday, uh, middle of July, we took a group of students down here to Wild Mountain to uh, just enjoy the water slides for the afternoon. And my brother had just gotten married, like literally like two weeks before this trip to the water slide park. He had just gotten home from his honeymoon. And uh, we're out there on the water park, hanging out, having a good time. And my brother discovers that his wedding ring is missing. Now, he starts freaking out, as you can imagine. I mean, he's just newly married. He's thinking, I got to go home, tell my new wife that I just lost her wedding ring. And, uh, you know, so he's just, he's just going crazy. I'm like, Jared, chill out. We'll find your wedding ring. So we just started this frantic search all over Wild Mountain trying to remember, okay, where were you? Where were you sitting? Where'd you go? And my brother remembered, well, there was one slide that I was just on, and I seem to remember having my ring on as we were on that water slide. Well, if you've ever been to Wild Mountain, you know one of the various slides they have over there. One of the slides they have is this big tube slide that you go down, uh, sitting in inner tubes. And each level of the slide, you go splashing down into these big pools, and you kind of jostle around with all the other tubes until you hit to the next level, and you slide down to the next level, and you splash into another big pool. And this just kind of continues on until you get to the very bottom. Well, my brother says, I think I had my ring on as I was going down that tube slide. And I said, okay, well, let's go up there and let's go down the slide again. Maybe we can find it. Maybe it's, you know, got trapped at the bottom of one of those pools. And so, so we went to the top and we started making our way down the water slide and we got to the first pool and, you know, we're not seeing it anywhere. And we slide down again, we get to the next pool and, and we're searching around. Now, keep in mind, there are hundreds of people there that day. And I mean, tubes are bumping into each other and it's just chaos. And we're doing everything we can to try to just, you know, calm the water enough to find, the tube, find this, you know, a little glimmer of a silver wedding ring. Well, sure enough, my brother, all of a sudden, out of the corner of his eye, he sees a little beam of, you know, sparkling light under the bottom of this pool. And he thinks, Jason, I think I got my ring. And he reaches down off of his tube, and all of a sudden, from behind, blam, another tube comes bumping into him and shoots him down the slide to the next level. We're just like, you got to be kidding me. So we get to the bottom of the slide. We make our way back up through the line. Keep in mind, it's like 10 minutes waiting in line to get to the top again. We go back down the slide, we get down to that second pool where he thinks he saw his wedding ring, and we don't see anything. It's, we, we can't find it anywhere. That little glimmer of light, it's gone. It's not there anywhere. My brother is just totally just brokenhearted, right? Well, we get to the bottom of the slide, and my brother talks to one of the lifeguards, and he explains, hey, I just lost my wedding ring. I literally just got married two weeks ago. Is there anything you can do to help us out? Well, this lifeguard, he gets on the loudspeakers over all of Wild Mountain and says, we are shutting down the tube slide for the next 15 minutes, and all the people in line are moaning and groaning, right? I mean, you can imagine, they've been sitting in line, they're all, what? Oh, man, you know, everybody's complaining. And then all of a sudden, they see, here's me and Jared marching up, getting our private ride down the water slide. (laughs) You know, they're like, who are these guys, right? 
So we go down the water slide. Everybody next to us in line is moaning and groaning. Who, you know, and uh, Jared's, you know, swimming around looking for his wedding ring. I'm looking around. We're, you know, frantically searching for this lost ring. We can't find it anywhere. It, like private, you know, no one there looking all around. We can't find the ring. So Jared, we get to the bottom of the, the, the slide and the lifeguard comes up and he's like, guys, I'm sorry. I, I just can't, I can't keep the slide closed all day for you. And my brother's just like, oh man, I know it was there. I saw it just five minutes ago. All of a sudden, this little boy comes walking up. Like, a, you know, fifth grade little boy comes walking up. Hey, uh, excuse me, lifeguard, I found this ring on the water slide a few minutes ago. You cannot imagine the joy in my brother's face when that little boy came up with his wedding ring. I mean, he was so excited. We were jumping up and down together, you know, grabbing this kid, patting him on the back. I mean, we were so happy. My brother bought all the kids Dairy Queen on the way home that day. He was just so, it was, it was great. But, you know, I mean, when you lose something of precious value like that, you will go and search it out. You'll go to the ends of the earth, do whatever you can to find it. And, and I share this story with us this morning because, as we're going to see in our passage today, God, too, knows what it's like to lose a prized possession. But, but God's concern isn't over perishable items like a ring. God's heart is for people. God loves people. He loves those of us that he made, that he desires a relationship with us. And, and what we're going to find today and, and what we really see in all of Scripture, all of Scripture is really the grand story of God's search and rescue operation to save lost men and women. All of Scripture is about God's efforts to reach lost people who are wandering away far from him because he loves us and he cares about us. And he's not content to leave us lost in our sin and rebellion. He's a God who desires us greatly. Luke 15, where we're going to be today, uh, has often been referred to as the gospel within the gospel. Or in other words, the good news within the good news. Out of all of Jesus' teachings, out of all of his uh, explanation of God's heart and love for people, we probably see no better demonstration of that than here in Luke 15. Over the next two weeks, we're going to spend some time in this chapter and we're going to see Jesus share three parables that convey to us God's incredible love for lost people. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. These, these have been called the gospel within the gospel. Because, friends, God has a heart for lost people. He wasn't content to leave us in our desperate state. And, and what we're going to see today is that God initiates this rescue mission to search out and find those who are lost and separated from him. So let's start out by looking at Luke chapter 15. I want to read this for us, and then I want to come back and I want to make uh, three observations, three truths about God's heart for lost people. Let's read this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. 
Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Two just incredible images, pictures here of God's great love for lost people. What we're going to see this morning is in these two parables, we find three truths about God's heart for lost people. The first truth we're going to see this morning is that God is concerned for lost people. And we, we see this right away at the outset of chapter 15. Jesus is, again, traveling on his way to Jerusalem. And, and the large crowds have been following Jesus. And if you recall last week in chapter 14, Jesus tried to sort of thin out the herd, if you will, remember? And he gave us this really difficult teaching on counting the cost of following him. Jesus told the crowds, look, if you're going to be my disciple, you need to pick up your cross. You need to follow me. It's going to be costly. You're going to have to sacrifice. You have to love me more than your wives and your family and your brothers, right? Jesus gave us this very challenging teaching on what it means to be his disciple. And yet, here in Luke 15, we see the crowds are still flocking to him. And in particular, not just any crowds, it was the tax collectors and the sinners. Those who were despised by the religious people of Israel were the ones who were feeling welcomed and received by Jesus. They wanted to be in his presence because they recognized here's a guy who welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And isn't it interesting that that is the chief complaint of the Pharisees? What was their chief complaint about Jesus? They're muttering about Jesus. Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? He welcomes sinners and eats with them. Yeah, that's what he does. That's who Jesus is. That's who our God is. He's a God who welcomes sinners. He's a God who eats with them. He's a God who fellowships with them. And yet all the Pharisees can do is grumble about this guy welcoming sinners and eating with them. One commentator I read this week called this the gospel within a grumble. You know, unwittingly, the Pharisees shared the whole gospel message right here. Who does this guy think he is? He welcomes sinners and eats with them. I mean, aren't those some great words? Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. I mean, friends, we could close our Bibles, pray, pack it up and go home right now. We'd be totally spiritually filled for the rest of this week. You know what I'm saying? If we were to just meditate on those words for a while, our God welcomes sinners and he desires fellowship with them. What a great God that we serve. What incredible words. But the truth is, as is often the case with Scripture, always the case with Scripture, there's always more to say. There's more to mine, riches to mine out of this incredible passage this morning. And so, so let's dig a little bit deeper. We find here in Luke 15 God's concern for lost people. Now, throughout our passage today, we repeatedly find Jesus referring to sinners as lost. He uses this word lost in reference to sinners. A lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son. Jesus speaks about lost people. And you need to understand, friends, the word lost is the same word that is translated as perish in other places like John 3.16. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's the same word, lost, perish. The word in Greek is apollomi. It means to be lost or ruined or destroyed. 
See, Jesus often uses this word to refer to hell, the place of eternal separation from God. When he speaks about the lost, he's talking about people who are destined for, a, for a, 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 an end of lostness, of, ru- of ruin, of destruction, of eternal separation from their creator. It's a desperate word that Jesus is using here. And so in our parable today, where Jesus talks about this little sheep, this lost sheep that's wandered off into the wilderness, you need to understand this lost sheep was in great danger. This, this lost sheep was headed for ruin. It was headed for destruction. And the shepherd knows this. And the shepherd's concerned about the condition of this sheep. It's lost. Headed for ruin and destruction. You know, I once heard someone say that if you apply the word lost to anything, it will spell tragedy. A lost dog, a lost love, a lost playoff game this afternoon. (laughs) Tragedy. I just couldn't resist. I had to. I'm sorry. In all seriousness, friends, But in all seriousness, there is no tragedy as great as when you apply the word to a human soul, a lost soul. Somebody who has been separated from God, facing an eternity of ruin, of destruction. There's no worse thing to consider than the fate of the lost. Look at how the Apostle Paul described the Ephesian believers before they came to know Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. What a tragic description. To be without hope to be without God in the world. You know, as a pastor, I've had the opportunity to be a part of many funerals over my career. And I'll tell you something, friends, there's nothing more sad or tragic than being a part of a funeral of somebody who did not know Jesus. To be a part of a funeral of somebody who was lost and never embraced Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's heart-wrenching. There's no cause for celebration. There's no cause for hope. At best, there are the memories of that person's life. It's very sad. But conversely, the funeral of somebody who who has died knowing Jesus, those are funerals of joy and celebration. You know, many of you were here this week as we remembered our dear friend Lil Johnson, who went home to the Lord. What a time of celebration that was. What, what a time of rejoicing that was. And it's not that we weren't sad. Our hearts, as our hearts go out to you, we loved your wife, and we're going to miss her dearly. But man, as we came together and praised the Lord and sang his worship and glory and rejoicing, I mean, there is nothing better, friends, than to know that somebody has died safe in the arms of Jesus and that our separation in this life is only temporary because of God's great love for lost people. 
God loves lost people. He initiated a great rescue mission to search us out and find us so that we wouldn't have to face eternity lost and separated from him. The sad reality is there are many people in our world today who are like this lost sheep in our passage this morning. They're wandering from God. They are far from God. They are lost and they don't even know it. Isn't that sad? To be lost and not even know it. To be be without hope and without God in the world. And yet so many in our lives today, so many around us each and every day, this is their destiny. They're without hope. They're without God in the world. But God was not content to leave us in this situation. And so as 1 John 4 verse 9 tells us, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. God loved us so much, he was not content to leave us in our lost condition. And this leads us to truth number two we see in our passage this morning. God is committed to finding lost people. God is committed to finding lost people. And we see this truth in three ways in our passage this morning. Number one, we see it in the fact that God seeks out lost people. God searches for lost people. In the story of the shepherd and the lost sheep, the shepherd leaves the 99 sheep to find the one that was lost. And friends, this presents an interesting question to us this morning. Because who in their right mind would leave 99 perfectly good sheep to find just one that has wandered off? This last summer, my wife and I, we were holding a garage sale, and I remember my wife had gone into the house and left me out in charge of the the cash. We had this little shoebox full of cash, and this woman had come up, and it was really busy, you know, people were talking to me, and this woman handed me a stack of $21 bills for something that she was buying. And so I grabbed the stack of 20 bills, I put them down on the table, all of a sudden this gust of wind blew, and, and one of the bills flew off and went flying across our yard. Friends, what do you think I did? Did I leave the 19 bills laying on the table and go chasing after that $1 bill? No. I grabbed the 19 and I said, all right, don't worry about it. I'll try to find that one later, right? I had 19 good bills in my hand. I wasn't going to go run off and let the others go blown away. And here's the shepherd, 99 perfectly good sheep, safe in the pasture. And yet he's going to walk off and find that one. It's crazy. It doesn't make any economic sense at all. You could say it's even absurd. But friends, that's our God. God's love is absurd. And aren't you thankful for God's crazy, absurd love for us? Aren't you thankful that God sought you out when you were that one who had wandered off and was lost? You see, friends, one of the great truths of this passage is the fact that the shepherd initiates the search. He doesn't need to. It doesn't make any economic or logical sense, but he does so because of his great love. And in the same way, the gospel tells us, and Paul tells us in Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. 
We did nothing to deserve God's love. We did nothing to merit his great rescue mission. And yet because he cares about us and he loves lost people, he took the initiative to seek us out and to find us even in our lostness, even in our rebellion. Because that's who God is. He loves lost people. Friends, thank God for his great love and the fact that he took the initiative to find you this morning. Didn't make any sense. He didn't need to do it, but he does it because he loves people. The second thing we see in God's commitment to finding the lost is that that God sees lost people as worth the cost. He sees lost people as worth the cost. Understand this, friends. The shepherd ventured out into the wilderness. He he left the safety of the pasture to venture out into the untold dangers of the wilderness in search of his lost sheep. And and, and make no mistakes about it, the wilderness in the time of, of Jesus in the Gospels, the wilderness of Israel was a dangerous place to be. If you remember the story of King David in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel, he talks about shepherding his father's sheep. What kinds of dangers did he face? He had to fight off a lion. He had to fight off a bear that were trying to steal his father's sheep. There were dangers in the wilderness, friends. There were steep cliffs and deep canyons that could be fallen into. The days were scorching hot. The nights were freezing cold in the Israeli wilderness. And yet the shepherd because he sees such value in this lost sheep, is willing to venture out into the untold dangers of the wilderness to search out this lost sheep. Friends, this is the message of the gospel. God is willing to pursue us no matter the cost. And God, in his great love for lost people, he left his glorious throne in heaven and came into the dangers of the wilderness of our world, ravaged by sin and death. And he made himself a man to search us out, to find us, to rescue us. This is the message of the gospel. A God willing to pursue the lost at any cost. You know, I was thinking this week of Back in 2014, you remember the the great Ebola outbreak in West Africa that took place. It was on the news every day. Thousands of people were dying from Ebola. It kills over 50% of the people who contract it. It's one of the most horrific ways to die, medical experts tell us. And there was this widespread outbreak of Ebola in West Africa. Refugees were fleeing Liberia to the surrounding countries. Others from the Western countries were fleeing to Europe and America trying to escape But friends, there were some heroes who decided instead of fleeing, we're going to go right into the heart of the Ebola outbreak to serve the people and to love the people. I think of people like Dr. Kent Brantley. He was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year in 2014. When everybody else was fleeing Liberia, Kent Brantley and his team from Samaritan's Purse, Franklin Graham's ministry, They took their medical mission and they set it up right in the heart of Ebola country at great risk to their own lives, at great cost and sacrifice because they thought, what would Jesus do? Jesus wouldn't run. Jesus would show up right in the middle of this disease and he would love these people and he would share the hope of the gospel with them and he would minister to them in the midst of their needs and crisis. If you recall the story, Dr. Brantley ended up 
acquiring Ebola himself. And he was nearing death when he was evacuated to Atlanta where he spent weeks in quarantine at the Centers for Disease Control. And God miraculously restored Dr. Brantley to health and saved his life. And after he was rescued and he came out and he gave his interviews to the reporters, they asked, why would you go into the heart of Ebola country when everybody else was fleeing? And Dr. Brantley said, because that's what Jesus would do. Friends, that's what Jesus did. He saw lost people as worth the cost. He was willing to come into our sin-ravaged world. He was willing to take on human flesh and come into our brokenness, to, to come amongst those of us who are lost and sinful and rebellious in the middle of our disease, in the middle of our despair, in the middle of our death and desperation. Jesus came to seek us out. Look at the words of the Apostle Paul, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus did this, friends, because he saw lost people as worth the cost. The third truth that we see in God's commitment to lost people is that God rescues the lost and brings them safely home. God rescues us and brings us safely home. Here we see probably the greatest image in this entire passage. The shepherd searches out this lost sheep. And when he finds this lost sheep, he lovingly picks it up and he places it on his shoulders and he carries it back home. He carries a sheep on his shoulders, the place of strength, the place of security. Friends, that little sheep had no cares in the world riding on the shoulders of his shepherd. He wasn't going anywhere. He was safe in the shepherd's arms. It's very interesting in ancient Israel, the high priest of Israel, who was responsible for representing the people of Israel before God, he wore a garment called an ephod. It was a, an apron-like vest that he wore over his garments. And on top of the ephod, he had a breastplate which contained 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. The breastplate was held in place by two stones on his shoulders. And on the stones on his shoulders were inscribed the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so when the high priest would go into the temple to offer his sacrifices to God, he literally carried the children of Israel before God on his shoulders. What an imagery. What a prophetic representation of who Jesus is, our great shepherd. See, in the same way as the high priest carried the people on his shoulders before God, so too Jesus, our great high priest, our great shepherd, he rescues us and he picks us up and he carries us on his shoulders safely home to our Heavenly Father. We can never be lost when we are on the arms, the shoulders of our great shepherd. You know, this is one of the reasons why Christians throughout the centuries have embraced a doctrine known as eternal security. The doctrine of eternal security is the idea that once a person is saved, they are always saved. You cannot lose your salvation. 
And why do we believe that? Because we are being carried by the arms on the shoulders of our great shepherd. Who's going to snatch us away from the arms of our great shepherd? Look at what Jesus says about this in John 10, 27 through 28. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hands. Who's going to snatch us out of the arms of the great shepherd? Friends, if you know Jesus, if you've placed your hope and trust in Jesus, Jesus carries you safely throughout your life and will take you home to your heavenly Father and you are secure in his love. And you need not ever fear. The the great preacher Charles Spurgeon, he used to ridicule the idea that those who've been rescued by Jesus, the good shepherd, could ever be lost again. Listen to the sarcasm in Spurgeon's words. Those who hold this view need to go up to heaven and set the angels straight on this matter. They need to tell them not to rejoice until the sinner dies and goes to heaven because they may be rejoicing too soon. What if he repents but later falls away and is lost? The angels shouldn't be so fast on their joy. Friends, that's ridiculous. Jesus says when a lost person is found, all of heaven rejoices. God and the angels rejoice. And they're not mistaken in their joy. They rejoice because they know that that lost has been found and they are secure for all of eternity because of the loving arms of the good shepherd that holds them. See, you need to understand something this morning, friends. You are not secure in your salvation because of your grip on the good shepherd. You're secure because of his grip on you. He holds you safely and will take you safely home to your heavenly Father. So let me ask you this morning, have you put your trust in the good shepherd? Is he carrying you today? Do you know that sense of assurance, that sense of eternal security that comes from a relationship with the Good Shepherd. You see, if you're out there this morning and you're not sure that you ever have embraced a relationship with Jesus, if you're not sure that Jesus carries you today, friends, I want you to have that assurance. I want you to have that security, and that security comes by asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins to acknowledge your need for him, to acknowledge your lost and desperate plight, and to simply say, Jesus, I want to trust you. I want you to be my good shepherd. I want you to rescue me and save me, Jesus, because I know I need you. And I tell you, friends, if you will embrace Jesus, he will change your life. He will cleanse your heart. He will rid you of all the guilt and shame. He will pick you up. He will place you on his mighty shoulders, and he will carry you safely throughout life to your eternal destination in your heavenly home because he loves you so much. Do not miss out on that opportunity. The third thing we see in our passage this morning is that God celebrates the salvation of lost people. And it's very interesting, Jesus' repetition of this point in both of these parables, the parable of the good shepherd, the parable of the woman who lost her coin, they both call their friends and neighbors together in order to celebrate. And I think the reason why Jesus conveys this imagery in two different ways is because he wants us to know without a shadow of a doubt that God celebrates the salvation of lost people. He rejoices over the salvation of lost people. 
And I want you to notice something, friends, in the story of the good shepherd. When that lost sheep was found, what does the shepherd do? When that lost sheep is found, there wasn't any beating. There wasn't any harsh words. There wasn't even any chastisement. None of that at all. What did the shepherd do? He finds his lost sheep and he lovingly picks it up and he goes home and he rejoices with gratitude, with gladness, and invites his friends over to celebrate with him because the lost sheep was found. And in his eyes, that's worthy of celebrating. Look at verses 5 through 6. When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Friends, this is what God is like. God and all the angels of heaven rejoice whenever a lost one is found. A couple years ago, my brother and I were speaking at an apologetics conference out in Seattle, Washington. If you remember last year, one of our speakers, Dr. Carl Payne, uh, he had invited me to speak at the conference he hosts at his church two years ago. And while we were there at the conference on Saturday afternoon, one of the pastors at the church came up and said, Hey, uh, Jason, Jared, you, you got a phone call. There's a, a young lady on the line. She's asking to talk with you. And we're thinking, all right, who's calling us at this church? This is kind of weird. And, uh, you know, we're thinking, all right, we got our cell phones. It's not our wives and our family. Who's trying to get in touch with us? So I go to the office and I get on the phone. I say, hello. And on the other end, I hear this very quiet voice. Is this Jason? I said, yes. She said, Jason, this is Amy. I say, Amy. And she said again, yeah, this is Amy. And all of a sudden, I just realized who I was talking to. You see, eight years earlier, a girl who had grown up in our youth group at my former church had run away from home. She had gotten involved in drugs and she had moved out to the West Coast and she was living as a homeless drug addict. In fact, her family didn't even know if she was still alive at this point. No one had heard from her in years. Her family at home was praying and desperately searching but had never been able to find Amy. And, and the only records that they ever got of Amy were when the hospitals would call occasionally and tell them that she had been admitted for a drug overdose. But as soon as she would recover, she would run away from the hospitals before her family were able to get there. And here I am talking on the phone to this girl who my brother and I both loved. She grew up in our youth group. We knew there were hundreds of people back here in Minnesota who had been praying for her, desperate for her to return home. For all we know, she was lost and dead. And here she is, Jason, this is Amy. My brother and I, we couldn't believe our ears. We were so happy. We were so overjoyed. We, we, we said, Amy, you've got to come here. Can, can you get here to the church? Can, and, and Amy, what's most amazing about the whole story, she had been walking around. She was homeless. She had been walking around. She went into a grocery store, and she saw a poster for the apologetics conference on the entryway. And she saw my name on the poster, and she thought, I wonder if that's my youth pastor, Jason. And so she called the church. She was lost, and now she's found. And we rejoiced. Amy came over to church that day, and when she walked into the church, she, you could tell she, she had been homeless. She was desperate. She was in a very rough shape. And she walked up towards Jared and I, very timid and scared, and just, you could just see the shame and guilt in her eyes. And we just said, Amy, get over here. We just gave her the biggest hug you could ever imagine. 
We were so overjoyed to see this girl that we thought was lost and dead. We said, Amy, hey, can we call your parents? Your mom and dad would love to hear that you're still here. <laughs> we, we've been praying for you. Amy, you have no idea how many people back home have been praying for you. We called her parents. You can just imagine the, the disbelief, the joy, the, the immense celebration on the other end of that line. It was like nothing I'd ever heard. Her mom and dad just weeping on the other end of the line as they heard their daughter's voice in the first time in years. And that was the beginning of ultimate restoration between Amy and her family. You know, it's an incredible thing when a lost person is found. See, see, God celebrates. The Bible tells us that even in the presence, all the angels of heaven come into the presence of God and they celebrate the rescue of one lost soul. Because that's how much God loves us, friends. Many on earth may overlook such an event. Some could care less, but I'll tell you something. It goes viral in heaven. Did you hear? The lost was found. And the angels gather and they celebrate in the presence of Jesus. God has a heart for lost people. And I'll tell you something. I can think of nothing better to celebrate amongst friends than the grace of our Lord Jesus that brings us salvation. You know, this is one of the primary reasons why we gather together on Sunday mornings for corporate worship. We, we honor God, but we come together to celebrate the salvation that we've been given by the grace of Jesus. That's why we're here to worship. It's to acknowledge all that God has done for us. When you understand where you were and where you are in Jesus, your heart can't help but overflow with rejoicing. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Man, if, you, if that's not a cause for rejoicing, I don't know what is. To stand in the grace of God, to stand here as formerly lost people, perishing people who have been rescued by the great shepherd, who have been carried safely home, who know with confidence that our eternity is secure, and we stand here not out of any righteous works that we have done, but we stand here in the grace of God, the free gift of Jesus Christ, his love for us, which saves us from our sins. And because of that, we rejoice in the glory of God. Man, I tell you something, I can't, I, just, I can't get over people who tell me, ah, Jason, church is boring. You know, I just, I sit there, I can't get into it. You know, the songs, the preaching, I just, you know, I want to fall asleep on Sunday mornings so I don't even bother coming in. Are you kidding me? Do you know what this is all about? Do you know why we're here today? Friends, if, if you're bored here, you need to get a fresh vision of all that God has done for you. You need to understand where you were in your desperate plight as a lost sinner, separated from God, far from him, destined for an eternity in hell. And yet God in his great love was not content to let you go that route. And so he launched a cosmic rescue mission to seek you out and to find you and to rescue you and bring you safely home. And if that's not a cause for celebrating, I don't know what is. Man, when you understand all of the power and meaning of the gospel, it just, it just transforms everything in life.
our reason for living, our motivation for living, our hope for living, it's all transformed because of Jesus. We stand in this incredible grace. Friends, aren't you thankful this morning for God's heart for the lost? Aren't you thankful for the grace in which we now stand? Aren't you thankful for the hope that we have in the glory of God? I, I, I think this is worth celebrating. I think this is worth sharing. We serve a God who has a heart for lost people. Our God welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now give me an amen. Amen. What a God we serve, man. He welcomes sinners and eats with them. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for these powerful truths this morning in our passage. Jesus, we are so grateful for your tremendous love for us. Even while we were still sinners, wandering away in rebellion against you, because of your great love, Jesus, you sought us out and you rescued us and you brought us safely home to our Heavenly Father. We thank you, Jesus, for that. I pray that each and every one of us here would leave today with a fresh vision of the incredible gift we've been given in salvation. And Lord, I pray that we would live our lives motivated to share this good news with everyone we encounter. God, help us boldly and brightly shine the light and love of Jesus in our lives. Help us speak the love of Jesus and the hope of Jesus through our words. Help us live out the love of Jesus in our actions. God, may we point people to you and the hope that we have in you. And Lord, if there's anybody here this morning who hasn't embraced the life and joy and grace of God available through Jesus, I just pray that even right here this morning that they might just open their heart to you, that they might just, in the quiet of their own heart, just say, Jesus, I know I need you. Jesus, I know I'm lost today. I know I've lived in rebellion against you. There is sin in my life. And Jesus, would you please forgive me and would you pick me up? Would you be my great shepherd? Jesus, I, I depend on you. I need you. Jesus, I need you to rescue me. I need you to forgive me, Jesus. I need you to carry me and I need you to save me. Jesus, I need you this morning. And my friends, I'll tell you, if you will just call out to Jesus, he will transform your life. He will rescue you and lead you safely home because he loves you. We thank you, Lord, for your great love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just want to invite you, if anyone would like to receive prayer following our services, our elders will be up in front here, and they would love to pray with you for, for anything. I want to leave you with these words from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 13. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.